Morning, everyone. We good? All right. Yeah, happy Easter, everyone. Good morning. I'll be doing the Bible reading this morning, Mark 16, 1. It's on the, uh, the screen behind me, and it's in your uh, the sheets as well. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just, as, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Thanks, Bob. Keep that in front of you. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the last few verses of that. And uh, if you're just joining us, because it's Easter, we've actually been in every single chapter of Mark since the start of the year. So we're kind of uh, wrapping, wrapping that up today. But um, yeah, this is where we're at, at the end. And this is how Mark ends, and that's what we're going to think about today. Now, just a week or so ago... It felt, I don't know about you, but it felt like this whole COVID thing was all but done. See, the vaccine was rolling out, kind of. Singing was allowed back at church, and that was awesome. They were even talking seriously about when we might to go, to go on holidays to New Zealand, which is very exciting. So, it all seemed really normal. And then, and then, just like a last-minute try in a deciding game of State of Origin... The Queenslanders ruined everything, didn't they? Well, not quite. But here we are, 12 months on, and this thing of uh, Easter, sorry, this thing of, this thing of uh, COVID is still lingering. It's still here. still something we've got to think about. But we all know, we all know that it is going to pass. I doubt very much that in Easter 2022, we'll even be thinking about it all that much. And yet it'll keep being bumpy as it passes. But see, that's not the big news of today, is it? That's not the big news of Easter Day. The big news of Easter Day is actually something that happened two millennia ago. And so we come to today and we think, why hasn't Easter faded? How come 2,000 years on, Jesus hasn't gone anywhere? This morning, as someone who's a believer, I want you to reflect on this, that we might be blown away by that truth. And if you're here just because it's Easter, just because you've come with family, they've invited you along, or, or you've walked in just because it's Easter, I really want you to hear this morning why Easter just hasn't faded away. See, a couple of days ago, Good Friday, we reflected on the good news of Good Friday, but today we're asking, why does this news endure? Why does this 
continue to fill us with hope? Why is it what we continue to feel the ripple effects of all these years on? And so just three very simple questions to help us understand this. Why does the life of Jesus end this way? Why this isn't the end? That's actually not a question, is it? But anyway, why this isn't the end? And to think about how does this end for us? Well, the first question, why does it end this way? Or why do we need Jesus alive again? See, you might think, well, he died on the cross, that dealt with sin, sure, that's good. God paid the price. But the, as the women enter the tomb in what, just, in what Bob just read to us, we read it in verse 6 and 7 of that reading, there's an angel there and the angel tells them this, don't be alarmed, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified but he has risen. He's not here, see the place where they laid him. The angel says it's happened just as he told you. See, they can have some certainty, like I just said to the kids, that believing in the death of Jesus actually does something because Jesus has verified it by being alive again because it's happened as he said it would happen. But there's more to it than that. It shows us that what he's done actually gives us victory over something, victory over sin and victory over what sin leads to, which is death. It's victory over death as Jesus is alive again. If Jesus has really dealt with sin and sin leads to death, then if Jesus is alive, we can walk with confidence that sin has been dealt with, that my sin, that your sin has actually been dealt with because Jesus is alive. It's a victory. From the most hopeless and tragic of circumstances, Jesus is alive again. But did you notice the abrupt ending to what Mark tells us? Right at the end, the women there are bewildered. They're they're trembling. And that's kind of fair enough. They're actually seemingly afraid to say anything about it. It's actually so abrupt that if you've got an actual Bible in front of you, you'll see that there's a bunch of stuff in italics because, well, at different times, some other writers tacked on different endings because they kind of couldn't handle how abrupt it was. If you look at the footnotes, you'll see that they've tacked in things from different places in the other Gospels and things like that. But we kind of get what Mark was doing here at the end of verse 8. We live in a movie culture where the cliffhanger ending is all about uh, what our movies are often all about, setting up for that sequel that's going to rake in all the big bucks for the Hollywood producers. But Mark's ending is is just a little bit different. Have a look at verse 8 with me. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. What Mark's actually doing here is he's leaving us with this ending because he wants us to make a decision. He wants us to decide what we're going to do. It's actually bookending the the whole book of Mark, bookending the very first chapter that, that introduced Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, the promised King, that saw Jesus, sorry, sorry, that saw God speak 
and declare that this is my son. At the start, he, it sees Jesus proclaim that his whole life was bringing God's kingdom near. And at the very first chapter of Mark, seeing Jesus call people to come and follow him. And so these women, these women have been distracted. Don't be alarmed. He is risen. See for yourself. And they hear those words that they might believe, that they might follow, that they might share the news. So if you read Mark's gospel, like we have, from start to finish, it's very clear what Jesus' life was about. The Son of God being made known to us and calling us to repent and follow him. Just hold all that together for a moment. It's good news. It's the promised king. It's the Son of God calling us to repent and believe. And it finishes with these women with every indication that that is the truth. And the question to us, what are we going to do? It's meant to end this way so that we answer the question. He's alive. So will you repent and believe? Will you take this for the good news that it is? We know that word repent, but if you don't know it, this is simply what it means. Acknowledge your sin and turn away from it. That's the thing, sin, it's actually, our sin is, is ours. It's, it's, it's our sin. It's, it's the problem that we have before a holy God. It describes the way that in our life we turn our back on God and it's actually turning away from that. Repenting is turning away from that and turning instead to a risen Jesus who holds salvation out to us. Powerfully holds it out. Powerfully risen, he is holding it out. His forgiveness is complete forgiveness because he is risen. And so... His being risen fills you and I with hope. This is where our hope stems from. We're confronted with hopeless situations all the time. It's the diagnosis you get after that test. It's the loss of a job. It's news of another outbreak of COVID, another country where it's just kind of taken hold. In the media at the moment, it's the news of a toxic culture of sexual deviance. It's the truth of divided communities, divided over race. It's the civil unrest that we see in places like Myanmar at the moment. Confronted all the time with hopeless situations. But no matter what goes on in our world all around us, when we consider these different set of factors, that the hope of Jesus gives us, all that pivots. All that pivots. It all, it's all coming to us from a, from a very different perspective. Because no matter what happens in the world around us, in our lives around us, no matter what's going on, we get to ask different questions. No matter what's going on, will we still have the promises of God? Yeah, 100%. Can, can we rely on those promises? Of course we can. 
just as much now as ever. And how can we be so confident? How can we be so confident? Because Jesus is risen. And so we might ask the question, is God actually in control? 100% he's in control. And will God bring good out of what's going on around us? Well, the answer's got to be in more ways than we realise because even as his own son was abandoned and hung on a cross, it didn't end with him dead in a grave but risen to life, risen to become our Lord. If you doubt on any of those points, and it's okay to doubt, you need to know what Easter is about. The truth, the great news that he is alive. He lives, he rules, and he reigns. This is the sure hope that we unite around today, isn't it? And so the question becomes, how does this end for us? Well, there's two ways to address this. As Christians, if you're a Christian, if you're someone who knows that they're sorry for their sin and has turned away from it and has turned to Jesus to accept his payment for forgiveness on the cross, well, then this ends the same way for you as it did for Jesus, risen to a new life. And you are living that new life now. And you can be confident of that because of the resurrection. We too are being raised to new life. And on that last day, we'll be raised to that new life that that is everlasting. And just as time and time again have we gone through the Gospel of Mark, we've seen Jesus call on his followers to, to do just that, to keep following no matter what. Then we, we also have learned that, that our following, that our going on living now is in that paradigm of grace. That as we go on seeing the hardness of our own hearts, we also see his gracious reaching out to each of us. And we keep following, and we keep trusting, and we keep hoping. Daily taking up our cross and following him. Losing, losing our small vision of our life, the small hopes that people hold out for this world, and give it over to the one in whose hands we cannot be lost. And so secondly, if you're not a Christian, you need to know that right in these words, right in this truth that is revealed of Jesus being alive again, there is an offer, an offer that Jesus came through the cross, that he came through the cross victorious over the worst that we can confront in this world. And he's able to offer forgiveness and new life to you today. Now, when it comes to God, you might feel like, oh, I'm that sin stuff, I'm so full of that sin stuff, I, I could never be good enough for it. But you don't need to. Because his loving sacrifice is more than enough to cover that. You might be held up, though, on, on a doubt of whether it's all real. Well, I just would give the simple encouragement that to seek it out. And if it's not real, it'll quickly show itself up to not be real. But I believe that if we earnestly look into it, we will see 
the truth that is there. And if, if you want to get in touch, if you want to fill in one of those contact cards and get in touch, I can lead you through happily some material to help you explore this further. The offer is there. You could still be hung up on something else. You might think they'd never have me at their church. Well, I mean, you might not think that because you're actually here right now, but, but people do think that way. And I've got to say that church and churches and our church, well, they're often the most eclectic bunch of people that you ever come across. That's what God does. He draws all sorts of people to himself. You can look at this as you look through the Gospel of Mark. You see all the different people that Jesus spent time with. Finally, we might get hung up on thinking that Jesus could never forgive me. But he's alive again and he can forgive anyone. So the question that we all ask is how does this end with for us? Does it end with the hope that it should? That's what's on offer and that's my challenge if you're not a believer and that's my encouragement if you are. To be so overcome with the hope that is tied up in our Lord Jesus being risen as we declare today. And so in that truth, let's pray to that end. Father, we thank you so much that in your goodness, in your kindness, Lord, you, you in front of us had Jesus hang there for our sin and, and Lord, you had him rise and appear. Lord, we thank you for what we, else we learn in your word beyond the book of Mark. Lord, for all the times that, that Jesus appeared to so many people. Father, we thank you that this is our reason and our cause for hope. So, Father, this Easter, Lord, no matter what's distracting us, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what doubts and fears are in our hearts, Lord, overcome them with the hope of the risen Jesus. And we pray that boldly in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.